0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Jake Botel Sports Experience. You know, at a a certain point in time, Minnesota Jack is going to say, we need to change the name. I'm coming on like literally every episode. It's a little bit egotistical, Jake Botel, that it is only your sports experience. And to that I say, well, maybe it's something we'll have to consider. Something we'll have to consider. Um, uh, as long as this comes to the pay
1: rise, then I'll take it.
0: That's right. Definitely. You can get a pay rise. I'll, I'll give you a 20% pay rise from your current oh, rate. Oh, yes. How does that sound? Mm.
1: That, that sounds very good. That'll go very far.
0: Excellent. Um, welcome to another episode. My name's Jack. Jake. His name's Jack. <laughs> We're talking NFL. Troll, I'll be the host. That's right. Yeah. yeah, we should we should do one. Just switch it up one week. Yes.
1: Um.
0: So, NFL Week Seven, Jacko. It's in the books. Mm-hmm. It's well and truly in the books because Monday Night Football has concluded. Um. A weird sort of slate. There, there were no games to me, that stood out as like absolute blockbusters, but there were a lot of important games. Look, the Chiefs 49ers, we touted as being... Could have been. And in the end, it was definitively a statement from one of those two teams. I mean, we're three or f- three days removed from the result, so everyone knows who it was. The Kansas City Chiefs, putting a thumping on the San Francisco 49ers, 44-23, to 23, um... And you know the week was only made better for the Chiefs by the fact that the Chargers go and get their own buttocks thumped by the Seattle Seahawks, thirty-seven to twenty-three. The Raiders are they resurgent? We we asked them to to show their stuff against the Texans, and they did, winning thirty-eight to twenty. Two New York teams kept on winning. One of them suffered a really, really sad injury. A sad injury for my fantasy team as well. Dan Campbell, his butt. Speaking of buttocks, might be a well-formed buttocks, no doubt, because he's he's fit. He'd be, he'd rank up there as amongst the fittest NFL head coaches. He damn fine. Um, but. Where do you want to go here? Tom Brady losing to the Carolina Panthers. Jack, where do you want to go first? Aaron Rodgers losing to the Taylor Heineke Washington Commanders. Where do you want to start off?
1: Yeah. Well, should we start pretty with Monday Night
0: Football? Should we start with Monday Night Football? Some quick Let, thoughts. Let's do it because
1: All right. that has the most storylines in it. I feel like Monday Night Football. Okay, so let's I feel talk like, Monday Night. That's a good. That's a good place to start.
0: The, the Patriots think... lose. 14 to 33 Mm. at home against, you know, a team we would have previously considered moribund. I had them on the sicko spreadsheet, the Patriots to score a defensive touchdown. I still would, I still like that because it was a high upside pick. I knew it was not, you know, you're walking a a bit of a tightrope. So yes, 33, 14, they lose. Uh, What were your thoughts on this game?
1: Uh my thoughts really come down to never seeing a sharper fall from grace than what we saw from Bailey Zappi. <laughs> you know, the the crowd is cheering for him. Mac Jones has a pretty Zappy hour. pretty disappointing first three starts, um, or th- first three possessions. The crowd is cheering for him, and all of a sudden, Zappi's in. He's in. Can he be the one to to get this team back on the board? And he does. He throws them absolute dimes, and if not puts them in front, definitely puts them within three points. Um, you know, scores a couple touchdowns, uh, scores one touchdown, but brings the Patriots back into the game. And you're like, okay, here we go. This is zappy time. And, you know, the commentators there, they're bringing up, oh, you know, Brady was picking the sixth round, and he came in for a starter, like, oh, is there some kind of... Belichickian magic being created here with Bailey Zappi. And then the second half started and those uh, comparisons started to vanish all of a sudden. And Bailey Zappi was no longer a God walking among us. He was Bailey Zappi, a backup quarterback. And he did not put up that stellar of a second half. One of those interceptions he threw was uh, tipped at the line so you can't really put that on him as much but just kind of underwhelming I was really hoping that we would even if the Patriots lost I was hoping that at the end we could have a definitive answer about who's going to be the starting quarterback and I was hoping it was going to be Zappi and while I personally would still start Zappi I would also understand if they go back to Mac Jones because you could just go well Mac Jones is our starting guy you didn't win the game you're back to being a backup um So that, from the Patriots' side, confusing the way they went about their starting quarterback uh, decision uh, for this game. But for the Bears, man, they're opportunistic. Justin Fields made a bunch of plays. Uh, This team is not going to do anything major this season, but you feel like with each game, they keep getting a little bit better and a little bit better, and they might be one of those teams this season that is not going to go for a playoff spot necessarily, Mm -hmm. but you do not want to play them. You do not want to play Chicago and Fields running around the pocket, picking up first downs with his legs. Um, And that defense has been pretty solid this season. Uh, I think the Bears are in a pretty good spot for where, compared to where they looked like they were going earlier in the season. The Patriots are just a mess, which is what you don't really expect from Bill Belichick.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's it's really interesting, this game, because Belichick had had a long press conference talking up the Bears for, like, seven and a half minutes or something prior to this game, and people were like, oh, well, that's a lot of coach speak, and maybe it was, but then the Bears came out and looked really good. Like, they looked like they'd spent the bye week that they had... Um, having a good, hard think about how they wanted to play football, uh, about what they were, you know, their, their standard uh, of play that they were going to expect from themselves, the you know standard of performance. Um, we also said in our preview pod that Bill Belichick classically struggles against mobile quarterbacks. And that, to me, was the difference. That, to me, was, was like the difference on offense for the Bears was the fact that um, Justin Fields was able to move around. Fields only completed 13 of 21 for 179, one touchdown, one interception. He was sacked four times, but he ran 14 times for 82 yards. He was the leading rusher on the field, uh, the leading rusher on his team. He had four fumbles. He was lucky none of those were recovered by the opponent, uh, but he did have four fumbles. I really think it was Justin Fields' mobility that that was the key difference in this game. Now, I, I wanted to go back and watch this on the All 22, but being you know a fanalist more than a paid journalist, I didn't get time to get to go back and watch this on the All 22. But it seemed to me that those deep shots that were there for Zappy in the first half just weren't there in the second half of this game. The Bears got a lot better in terms of, of, of how they were covering. Um, the, the Patriots receivers, uh, look, I, I thought Zappi got the ball out quickly, but that was all he could do in the second half. First half, they were able to take those deep shots. One of which was a touchdown. The other one set up a touchdown. I really like Bailey Zappi and I, I think, you know, something that I would look at for, you know, th- this team and, and, and for, like, the commentators who are, you know, saying, oh, it's the second coming of Brady and all this sort of stuff. um, It's worth going back and looking how Brady's career started, right? So he had mop-up duty in one game in 2000 where he threw three passes, completed one of them for six yards. 2001 is the year he takes over. So he comes in in a relief spot in a 3-10 loss to the um, Jets, Uh, completes 5 of 10 for 46 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He takes over fully in the third week of the season against the Colts, where they win 44 to 13. But Brady only completes 13 of 23 for 168 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. The second game, they lose 10 to 30 to Miami. Brady completes 12 of 24 for 86 yards, no touchdowns. No picks. They play San Diego the week after. They win 29-26. Brady completes 33 of 54 for 364 yards and two touchdowns. So from there, the the Brady era really kicks off. Though he does have some rough patches. They go to Denver, and Denver would have been a pretty decent team um, back then, if if I'm sort of remembering it correctly. Um or oh, maybe not 2001, can't remember how far removed that was from Super Bowl for them, might have been three or four years by that stage. But, you know, he has four interceptions in that game to two touchdowns. Um, you know, there's an, another couple of games down the stretch same, uh, when he plays the Rams in, in the regular season. One touchdown, two interceptions. When they play Cleveland, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Like, the 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 rest of Brady's career sort of thing, like, you know, gets washed and painted with the same brush. Sorry, the early start of his career gets painted with the same brush uh, as the rest of his career. You know, he was a rookie quarterback once too. And that's kind of where mm. I'm at with with Bailey Zappi. Like, you know, he came out and looked brilliant last week against Cleveland. A defense which we think, although lacking some of its key pieces right now, is still pretty decent with Miles Garrett, et cetera. Um, you know, he, he didn't look great this week, but you know, the first three games he he, he played, he's put up a passer rating of over a hundred. He threw four touchdowns to one mm. pick. So yeah, he had a, he had a, a bad second half, a bad second half. I I I'd be still going with Bailey's Appy personally. I, I just I just like what I see out of him more than what I see out of Mac Jones. To me, there are more upside moments in his play, um, for Bailey's happy, but that's just me. So I guess all I'm just saying is like the the media can run so hot and cold on players and it's like, yeah, the dude had one game. He's made four starts in his career in the NFL, you know, um, cut him some slack. Like that, like Brady didn't start like Brady either. You know, he had to bring in another too
1: quarterback for comparison. You know, Peyton Manning holds the record for the most interceptions thrown by a rookie. His rookie season, comparatively to other rookies, was pretty horrible. He's got the record for the most picks thrown by a rookie. And he obviously became one of the best quarterbacks the game has ever seen. So I'm very much on the same page. I think you can't write him off because of a bad half. Um, I don't even think you could write him off if he had a whole game like that, because he's shown that he can play well. He had three good starts beforehand. Mm. And yeah, he just has more upside. I don't know what you get with Mac Jones. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what his thing is. Cause for a little while I thought, Oh, maybe it's like, he's just a clean quarterback and that's why he's good for that offense. Cause he just doesn't make mistakes, but he does make mistakes.
0: Like last season, At least seems like a baller. Mm. He's got
1: some kind of aggressive nature to him and can really put the ball where it needs to go. Uh, And so I would, they'll probably go with Mac Jones, given that's just how the NFL works, but they really should go with Zappi from here on forward.
0: Well, you know, and and the the downfall watching Zappi in college was when he had pressure in his face. He didn't stand in the pocket and deliver good throws in those situations. But so few quarterbacks do. You know that's that even that has been the the thing you know that's been said about Brady the whole time is like you have to get in his face you have to you know quicken his computer up and I'm not saying that's like for like in terms of oh he's got the same weakness as the goat like Brady is still good in the pocket but you know and he, and he counters the the his weakness against pressure up the middle by navigating the pocket better than anyone you know so, so Zappy, you know that's something he needs to learn to do is to navigate the pocket, and I thought that's one thing that he didn't do a great job of. There are a few times where it was like, you know, he sh- he froze as the guy as the blitzer got through the line, or or you know, um, that sort of thing. Ah, uh, but but put let's put Bailey Zappi aside for a minute and and give some proper love to Justin Fields, and then we we should move on to the rest of the games. We've got a whole slate of stories to talk about, but. Bears fans are starved of something to root for. But I tell you what, I think in Justin Fields they have something really special to root for because to me he was the he was the reason that this team won this game. It was his ability to move the chains, you know, with his legs. Uh, now he threw the ball okay as well, and, and and I actually think the funny thing about Fields is I think he would like to sit back and throw more often than he's able to with his offensive line. Um, but they went 11 of 18 on third down. It's pretty impressive. Um, the The Patriots went 5 of 10. Like, Fields did such a good job extending the drive with his legs uh, and with his arm at times too. Like, made some really nice throws at times. Um they control the time of possession, 37 minutes to 23. I think they've got one in fields. I think we said this a few weeks ago. Like, I, I think there is something to this team. I think they're doing the right thing building around the run. They had 200 and almost 250 yards rushing on 45 carries for two touchdowns. I think that's the correct way to build this Chicago Bears team and around Justin Fields. You can you don't. I think if you squint just hard enough and at just the right sort of angle, you can see something starting to build for this Bears team. The defense played hard as well. I, I, I guess I just wanted to give some love to the Bears because, as much as the you know the storyline about the quarterbacks is interesting for the Patriots, like this was a thirty-three to fourteen win in Foxborough on a night that Bill Belichick could have overtaken um uh George Halas as, you know, the most NFL wins of all time leader. So, you know, the, the, the Bears defended the defended the house um in terms of the that wins record and thirty three to fourteen. You know, that's a beat down really, Jacko. I, I liked some of the stuff I saw from the Bears. Um I don't know if you want to add anything there or if you want to move on to another game. I know you had one in the chamber before we went to uh, Sunday Night Football, uh, Monday Night Football. Mm,
1: well, just one last thing on on the Bears is that I think, kind of like I said before, and like you've alluded to, they've got something to be really excited about, Chicago fans, um, because I feel like with Fields, they might have, might, because it's still a lot of time to go in his career, but they might finally have like an offensive superstar, which you feel like that franchise has never had. Like think of who's the Chicago Bears' best receiver of all time. Who's their best quarterback of all time? No one jumps out and going like, "Ah, oh, that guy was a real star back in the 60s or whatever. No one really... It, it's like that, It's like that organization doesn't know how to do offense. Whereas now they've got a guy finally who if he can put together a good career could be a real superstar I think he's got the he's got the ability he's got the leadership qualities he seems like a really solid dude he seems to get that locker room going if he can just keep I feel like Chicago they're not going to win a ton of games this season maybe more than we expected but I think this would be a great learning season for fields and that offense and then depends what happens but I could see next year being maybe a bit of a launching off point for this team so yeah th- th- you, this game is really one that we might look back on and go like this is when chicago started to find out their identity as a team so yeah pretty pretty happy with the bears um, all the fans should be pretty happy with the bears
0: here's here's my concern so that so the the all-time passing leader for the chicago bears you know who it is uh i don't Jay Cutler. <laughs> it was it's Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Um most passing yards, most passing touchdowns. Um yeah. So and then and so it goes Jay Cutler from two thousand nine to twenty sixteen with twenty-three thousand four hundred and forty-three yards, hundred and fifty-four touchdowns. The next guy Gotta go well, seventy years earlier than when Cutler started to Sid Luckman in nineteen thirty-nine. Oh, Fourteen thousand
1: six hundred
0: and eighty-six yards, one hundred and thirty-seven touchdowns and hundred and thirty-two interceptions. Back in the days where, where touchdown interception was like well, you know, you were doing really well if it was one for one. You know, most yeah. guys were <laughs> the other way. Um no, I agree. I agree with the the point you've made there. I, I think there's reason to wonder if the Chicago Bears of 2023 end up being what everyone wanted the Detroit Lions of 2022 to be. Mm. Um, you know, maybe they end up as the hard-nosed football team that bites off kneecaps on its way up the standings. <laughs> um, all right, we're pivoting. Where do you want to go?
1: Uh, let's go. Let's go Chiefs 49ers. All right.
0: I think that's a Break classic one. Break it down one. for me, Jack. The Chiefs win 44-23 in San Francisco. How how did this go down?
1: Uh, disappointingly, that's what I'll say. I, I was expecting a far more interesting game. I obviously picked them to cover the 49ers. I was just expecting a really competitive football game, mm. um, which is kind of odd because... The the 49ers actually played McCaffrey a lot more than I expected. They were using him a lot in that game. And so I thought, if anything, that would actually be better for the 49ers to get him more involved. But they just, again, this is just another one of those, those games where we're so used to the Chiefs doing this that it, it doesn't feel like a statement anymore. It's like, ah, the Chiefs just do what they do. But I feel like we need to take a moment to go the Chiefs just defeated the 49ers, who a lot of people are going like, okay, they're finally getting things together. They've brought in McCaffrey. You know, it's a, it's a good football team. And the Chiefs would go up and put up 44 points. Um, so it was not as entertaining as a game as I would have liked. Uh, but the, the Chiefs now, they're, they're just on a roll. They might even lose a few more games this season, but it almost doesn't matter. They just get to the playoffs and then you just know that they're going to be in good hands. Um, And then the 49ers, I don't know. I really flipped on them because there was a time when I thought they were going to be really good, like preseason. I was like, okay, they might win win the division. And then Trey Lance was under center and they were just looking really dysfunctional and they weren't playing very well. And so I was kind of off on them. And then Jimmy Garoppolo came back after Lance got injured and then they started putting together some good performances. I'm like, okay. Maybe they're going to start putting somebody together. They get McCaffrey. You're like, man, they're loading up. They, they must obviously have a Super Bowl roster. And then they put up this performance. And I know it's against the Chiefs. And every team looks bad against the Chiefs, no matter who they are. But it, it there was a lot of hype around this 49ers team. And I think that a lot of that has been deflated, um, which is kind of sad. Because I like when they're a good football team, San Fran.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and the afternoon couldn't have started any better uh, really for for the 49ers. They drive down the field, kick a field goal to open. McCaffrey gets 19 yards on two carries on that drive. Uh, they give the ball back over um, to the Chiefs. The Chiefs go uh, Isaiah Pacheco, two-yard run. Mahomes completes to Miko Hardman for one yard. Mahomes intercepted by uh, Hufunga, who's a Fucking brilliant, brilliant defender, Hufunga. So Chiefs turn the ball over. Um, The the 49ers use that field position. They go, bang, score a touchdown. They're up 10-zip. And you're thinking, oh, boy, here we go. 49ers with McCaffrey and stuff. The Chiefs then go, touchdown. They go, touchdown, missed field goal. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Punt, end of game. That was how the Chiefs went after that opening interception. So, what, six touchdowns, a punt, and a missed field goal. And this is how the 49ers afternoon went after their initial field goal touchdown. Field goal punt, interception, field goal touchdown, safety fumble interception. Safety fumble interception to end the game feels very, very Jimmy G 49ers to me. Mm. mm Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. that, I, I yeah. feel like this stuff happens all the time. Um, Juju Smith Schuster has another great game. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad I got great. rid of him off my fantasy roster. Um, seven catches on eight targets, 124 yards and a touchdown. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, three. It's a tricky name, that one. Marquez Valdez Scantling. Uh, three mm. catches on four targets, 111 yards. You know, like, they just create offense. That's what they're good at. They they just make offense happen, the Chiefs. I, I do think... I think your analysis is right. They will lose more games, probably, down the stretch, the Chiefs, because they get in these games sometimes where they're trying so many outrageous things that sometimes they come unstuck, but they... You know, what, 529 total yards that the Chiefs put up. They go six of nine on third down. 49ers didn't move the ball badly either, but, um, you know, the the turnover battle, they lose two to three. What? Why do they lose this game 44 to 23, Jack? You know, like the, the yardage is, you know, the, 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 the Niners, like I said, they move the ball pretty well. Yeah, they turn the ball over. Three times, but the Chiefs turned it over twice. What was the big difference? Was it just effectiveness in the red zone? Like for you, what was the difference in these teams? Because both of them could move the ball.
1: Yeah, I feel like from memory, San Francisco was worse on third down. I feel like when when they were forced they were, to yeah. pick up a first down, um, they weren't quite as effective. And I think where those turnovers happened, I feel like also weren't great. Like they happened when you felt like they were going to score, which is why when you look at the stats, they moved the ball pretty well. Mm. But a lot of uh, enemy territory turnovers that I think really killed them. And then the Chiefs, just their their ability to go down and and punish you with a full seven points each time um, was probably what won them the game but san francisco looked in it for a while um they really did so i think this is a case of the chiefs just running away with it in the end and the 49ers not having the the firepower to be able to compete with that you know some people saying you know san francisco spent too much time figuring out how to give mccaffrey the ball and not how to stop the chiefs i don't know if that's true but maybe an element of that is true in that, it felt like when the game was there to be won, the 49ers didn't have a plan for how to stop the chiefs or for them to overtake the chiefs. And not a, lot of the, not a lot of teams do to be fair on the 49ers. Not a lot of teams know or have a plan on how to defeat the chiefs, but it felt like just another one of those games where the chiefs are pretty close with the team. And then they're just, before you know it, you're like, Oh, Chiefs are up by three touchdowns. How did that happen? And it's the end of the game.
0: Yeah, I just had went back and had a look. Jimmy G um, was intercepted on the Kansas City five-yard line. Um, they had a fumble mm. that was recovered by the Chiefs on the Kansas City 43, so both of those in enemy territory. And then Brock Purdy, you know, in the final moments of the game, once he was in, um, intercepted on the Kansas City. Uh, 18, or you know, that was where that play was from. So all, all three of the turnovers, as you said, um, in KC territory, which matters a lot when you lose by 21 points. Yeah. <laughs> when you lose by three yeah. scores and all your three turnovers were in, were in the other team's um territory, two of them down in the red zone. So, yeah, disappointing for the 49ers, three and four uh, I mean this season has been a weird one for San Fran like what a mess to go in being like Trey Lance and he looked like uh I don't know and then he gets injured and so then you're back to Jimmy G and uh, I don't know it just it just seems like it's it's a bit of a mess I, I'd like to have a look actually at what San Francisco's schedule is like coming up you know like who do they mm. have you know on for the next month because it feels like uh, to me, one of those teams is going to get right. The 49ers or the Rams. One of those teams is is going to work it back out. And and I think it should be the 49ers. Um, but who knows? You give the Rams enough time. I suppose the other thing is, and we can transition to talk about this game if you like. Mm, yeah. Can either of them catch the Seahawks? Can the Seahawks you know, stay on their bike here, you know? Like, they're riding really fast downhill right now, the Seahawks, with Geno Smith peddling that offense. Um, Are they going to stay balanced here and maintain this for the rest of the season, Jacko? Like, what? Like, I, I kept seeing, the, you know, the score updates on this game, and it was like, oh, yeah, the char- I think the charges were... um, The Chargers were up early, I think? I'm trying to have a look at what the Seahawks, I think, were no, up early. No, the Seahawks Seahawks were up early. And then the Chargers kind of stormed back. They got to. The, so they fell in a 17 0 hole at the end of the first quarter. Then they stormed back, and it's 17 14. And you're like, ooh, spicy. Spicy. Uh, <laughs> then from there, the, the Seahawks like kind of control the game to finish. Do you think the Seahawks are for real in a way that maybe we didn't think previously? Like we sort of went, "Oh yeah, they're they're spicy, they're spicy." Um, <laughs> but but are they win the division? Spicy.
1: The Seahawks are a good team, and I'm not afraid to say it. I think they're a good what? team. Uh, no, no more of this. Like, oh, you know, they're they're tough to play against, or you know, their their offense is explosive, but you know, they can't really put it together, or they're, they're going to fall fall apart down the stretch. This is a good football team because their issue has been defense. But watching them play, they forced the Chargers to punt one, two, three, four, five drives no in a row, charges. and then a no. turnover on downs.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Chargers. And, you can't punt five <laughs> times against the Seahawks. Oh.
1: Just ri- ridiculous. And 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 that defense, you know, had some great turnovers against the Chargers, some great picks. Like, finally it seemed that the defense is able to just do something. Which This is a theme that I feel like has been brought up a lot in our in our podcast, is that you don't have to have both sides of the ball be great. Only one has to be great to be a really good football team. The other one just has to complement it. And the Seahawks defense hasn't really complemented this team until this game. And the, the the run game for the Seahawks, like Walker is a really talented running back who just keeps fighting for yards. He's just really fun to watch. Geno Smith just continues to put up good performances. He you know, doesn't turn over the ball a lot. He makes great plays through Two beautiful touchdowns that if he Josh Allen threw or Mahomes ball. threw, like we'd be ah, oh, we'd be all over it. But the fact that it's Geno Smith, and no one really, no one really cares. Mm. So this offense is just humming, um, and the defense is finally making plays. It's got some really great turnovers. He's playing aggressively, and the charges aren't great, but their offense still has a lot of like playmakers, and they managed to keep them to twenty three points. Um, you scoreless in the first quarter. So, this is a real football team. And I think that they win the division from here with how the 49ers are going right now. I think the Seahawks go, go ahead and, and win more games. I think there's too much uncertainty with the 49ers now. That's my personal feeling. Whereas I feel like with the Seahawks, we know what they are. They're a team that can score lots of points and their defense is aggressive and can make plays. And so, if you just face the right matchup, they're going to win games. 49ers, I think we've seen what they are. They've got a really good defense, but their offense still has Jimmy G, and he might have some good games, but he'll have some really bad games, and right now I'd take Geno Smith over Jimmy G, and I, I think they're not going to run away with the division. <laughs> I, I want to make that clear, but I think the Seahawks win this one.
0: This, okay, Believe so it he's... or not, Jake. No, no. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, It's more just like, it's stunning. It's absolutely yeah, stunning. Like all this time we wasted with Pete Carroll handcuffed, you know, to Russell Wilson all those years. You let Pete cook. Let Pete cook. God damn it. Put yeah. um, him in the kitchen. Yeah, for God's sake. Let we need the um, uh the the uh, the the Carroll witch. Pete Carroll should have mm. the, the subway sandwich. Spicy. Pretty much the same sort of. End. Hey, I'm Pete Carroll. You want to try my my Carroll witch? <laughs> um, it is weird if you go back and listen to side by side Pete Carroll, uh, Russell Wilson press conferences. They sound eerily alike. They sound eerily mm. alike. Um, in terms of the way Russell Wilson, talk?
1: maybe just Pete Carroll in an old man suit. Have we <laughs> right. have we seen them together in the same room?
0: That's right. Um. Uh, <laughs> So, the the thing I wanted to look at was this. You you say the the, the division, right? They're going to win the division from here.
1: It's up I'm for giving, grabs, and I I'm, would lean towards Seahawks. That's my position. I'm
0: giving you the opportunity to put a season-long Sicko Spreadsheet mm. pick, because quite wide, okay. right now, do you want to know the odds? Do you want to know the odds? The, odds. the San Francisco 49ers, $2.25 favorites. The Rams, $2.60. Second favorites in third place, in terms of favoritism to win the division, the Seattle Seahawks at $5.50, so that's like plus 450 or something Ooh. for us. US. Are you willing to put it on the long-term spreadsheet, Jack? Are you willing, because we should have a look at things I had on on the, the uh, long-term spreadsheet. I had DeAndre Swift to win the rushing yards. Uh, that ain't going to yeah. happen. Raiders to win the AFC West? That ain't going to happen. Now, I'm still on the Raiders to make the playoffs. That might even be a juicier thing to, yeah. to, to put on your spreadsheet right now. I had this, uh, the Saints to win the NFC South. I mean, that's still very much in there. I I got Justin Jefferson to win the MVP. And Justin Jefferson, most receiving yards. Um, mm. So... Do you want to add this to the long-term Sico spreadsheet? Will you put your spreadsheet where your mouth is?
1: <laughs> I always put the spreadsheet where my mouth is. Uh, yeah, let's do it. All let's right. It. In fact, I'm looking at their remaining schedule right now, and I see a lot of wins here. I see a lot of dubs <laughs> in Seattle's future. I'm just, I'm I'm reading into okay. the future using my psychic powers. I'm seeing I'm seeing a lot of dubs. A lot of dubs. A lot of there. dubs. Not many L's. And so, uh, where is it uh, the, the 49ers, I think they're, they're they're gonna they're gonna slip. I don't like again. Don't think that it's gonna be a runaway win, but I think it's gonna come down to the last week, and whoever wins gets the division. That that's how I feel.
0: I like it. Go Hawks. I, I like it. Go Hawks. Uh, hey Denver, that's right. Broncos country. That's right. <laughs> Um, right. all right. So yeah, no good win for Seattle. Um, this adds further credence to me. The idea that Brandon Staley is not a very good NFL head coach, in my opinion. Um, mm. yeah, so the, the, the Hawks four and three Jackson weird, Seahawks go giants. I think now is the time to fade the giants. I think now is the mm-hmm. time to fade the Giants. The Seahawks are favourites by two and a half points. Two and a half. Um, that may end up on my Sigo spreadsheet. I think mm. now is the time. I think now is the time to fade the Giants. Um, so they go Giants at Cardinals at Bucks. Should be looking to win at least two of those three as the yeah. Seahawks um then they go raiders rams panthers 49ers chiefs jets rams interesting run home um chargers what a disappointment jacko what a massive disappointment disappointed yeah exactly i'm disappointed um like and they they're asking justin herbert to throw the ball way too much now he can do it he threw it 51 times completed 33 of them but two hundred and ninety three yards on fifty-one attempts that's that's not that's not high. That's not high. And and they're just not getting much out of the run game. They had what, one no. uh, like fifteen rush attempts on the day. That's there's not enough unpredictability about this offense to trouble people, and that's that's where the Chiefs do so well, is in the unpredictability. I I don't think this team, I think this division, this second place in this division is there for the taking if the Raiders want to take it. How say you about the Chargers? Yeah, Is I this think, a playoff team? Well,
1: no, I don't think this is a playoff team. And I think the main reason for that is, like you said, the run game just isn't working, even with Austin Eckler. It's crazy. The run game just isn't operating, and you wonder as well if it wasn't for Austin Eckler, the pass game would have been atrocious, because Eckler in the receiving game had twelve receptions for ninety-six yards and a touchdown. A lot of them dump offs to the running back, and so if it wasn't for Eckler being the the receiving back that he is, you just wonder how this team would would have put up twenty-three points but it's kind of weird that he can do that but he can't run the ball. Yeah, the, the Chargers they don't look that well coached situationally. Um, the defense is not as spicy as I thought that they would be nice. going into this season. But and then their offense is just not putting up the kind of numbers we expect. Don't really know why. I'm sure if you if you looked into it there, there could be some real reasons but like beyond having their main receiver out, I don't really see why this offense isn't the powerhouse it was last season.
0: And they've just lost cornerback JC Jackson, I believe, for the season. Yeah, out for the season. Mike Williams, wide receiver, out multiple weeks now after suffering a high ankle sprain. It kind of feels like it's coming apart at the seams for a team that was meant to be super talented um, and a team that was meant to stack wins. It ain't happening. And I, I, I think the Chiefs, we shouldn't doubt them. We should never doubt them. They are such a powerhouse. Um, yeah. So no, I, I agree with you. And I think I think Staley is, yeah, not not a brilliant coach. I he he not, was I, fun, I,
1: but we're done with him now. We're we're was, like uh, Andy in the <laughs> Toy Story. Um. The dream sequence where he <laughs> drops Woody into the bin and says I'm done playing with you that's us with yeah. Brandon Staley all right you're fun for a little while but you can you can go into the bin cuz you, you're they, not a good coach anymore
0: this was their their record on drive extending plays so third and fourth third and fourth downs they were 6 of 18 5 of 15 on third downs 1 of 3 on fourth downs so, yeah. Yeah, not a big fan. Not a big fan. And, you know, people forget. They're like, high-flying Chargers offense. Brandon Staley was a defensive coordinator. And his defense isn't very good. That, to me, is problematic.
1: Mm.
0: Um, So, yeah, Chargers in a lot of trouble. Chargers in a lot of trouble. Um, do you want to talk about the Giants and the Jags? Yeah, let's get into it. Yeah, all right. So the Giants at five and one headed down to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. I'm not sure why. It's an interesting quirk of American pronunciation when people say Jaguars. The Jaguars. I don't quite understand. But anyway, maybe someone can help me out with why that is. Um, The Jaguars. The Shaguars. um. Like an interesting game, a hard-fought game. When we put it on uh, NFL Game Pass, I was—I looked at the runtime, and I was like, "Wow, you know, the the Falcons-Bengals goes for an hour fifty-five minutes, uh, and the Jags-Giants goes for two hours thirty-seven. This shit must go to overtime." Um, but I wasn't accounting for the twenty-one penalties and a hundred and forty-eight yards of penalty. Um, the last 50 seconds of this game seriously felt like the end of the third Lord of the Rings, where it's like, for God's sake, can mm. they just get up the fucking mountain already? I'm ready to move on. Um, this, this this was an interesting game, but it was a game marred by penalties, Jacko. The Giants emerging victorious uh, 23 to 17, but Trevor Lawrence came within a bee's dick Of winning it at the end, but for some great tackling on the goal line um, by the Giants. And that kind of represents, you know, we go from a team where we're like, the Chargers are poorly coached in terms of situational football. Total opposite for Brian Dable and his big dick Giants, Mm. um, who, like, they're really good when it matters. When the situation calls for it, they get the play. Um, you know, with 5.30 remaining on the clock, you know, the Giants, it's Daniel Jones who gets the touchdown drive to put the Giants up 20 to 17. You know, you you need that drive because the the, the Jags have just taken the lead 17-13 at the end of the third quarter. The Giants go and they get the touchdown to put them ahead. Um, they go and get a field goal as well. And they hold the Jags on that crucial last drive. Like that felt like a big difference in this game to me. The Giants, the less talented side, but way better coached, you know, in terms of down-to-down and situational mm. football, right?
1: Oh, yeah. The the, the Giants, What watching them play is really fun. And it's fun to watch them play because you don't really know why they're good. They just are. Um, I'm talking specifically on offense. They, they, they just managed to put together drives and move the ball and make plays. They're a team that I'm really enjoying watching and rooting for. Um, but credit to the Jags as well. Like They kept it pretty competitive. Um, yeah. It's just, again, the Giants' fourth quarter dominance throughout this season came to fruition again. And they just, you know, put up 10 points to nothing in that fourth quarter and it was just enough to, to win it. But like you said, the, the Giants gave Trevor Lawrence every opportunity to win the game on that last drive. Penalties, big plays, like mm. what should have been, okay, maybe a couple of Hail Marys or, you know, a couple of quick completions and a Hail Mary turned into, oh, this is actually going, he's gone all the way down the field with barely any time on the clock. And a couple inches further closer to the end zone and that last catch would have been a touchdown if not for, like you said, amazing tackling by those Giants defenders. The the, the Giants' luck at some point has to run out, right? But I don't know when that happens because each game I keep thinking, okay, surely this is when their luck runs out. And I thought that's when their luck was going to run out was against the Jags in that final drive. I was like, ah. This is what happens when you leave a game too close in the end, a team come back, comes back and wins it. But again, they won. So the Giants are really, really something. And I, I yeah, I just love watching them play. Daniel Jones had a great game, I thought. Um had picked up some great first downs. He he's really putting together a good season, which I'm I'm happy for him because he's been, you know, much maligned throughout his career. He's not been the saviour for New York that they would have hoped, and he's technically not. Brian Dable is the saviour, but he is the complementary piece to Brian Dable's offence. And as a team, they feel like they're they're just out there to win and they're going to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Like Brian Dable, you know, his initials, BD, Big Dick. Big Dick Brian Dable. That's what Mm. Brian Dable stands for. We're
1: going um, to wait and see for the Giants and the Vikings to play each other. Cause I'll have big cock energy and big dick Brian Dayball yeah, right.
0: playing against each other. KOC, Kevin O'Connell and Brian Dayball. Cock versus big dick. Um, It's a solid fight. Um, all right. So, yeah, um, um. But the Giants luck will run out next week because I am going to lock up on the sicko spreadsheet the Seahawks minus two oh. and a half against the Giants while I can get it hot. Just in case some some uh, money runs the other way and it blows out over a field goal, I'm getting the Seahawks at minus two and a half now because I think in the clink, I think um, uh, Pete Carroll does that exceptionally well in terms of coaching up mm. his team in emotional situations. Like, I, I think he just gets the most out of them. He's He's got some mind voodoo that he can, like, it's different. It's a lot more California-speak and, like, self-help woo-woo stuff than I imagine Brian Dables is. But they both have the ability to make their teams play beyond the sum of their parts. The sum is greater than the, you know, the, the parts and all that sort of thing, which is really... Very Bill Belichickian, which is what Brian Dable makes me think of. Watching this yeah. Giants team sometimes reminds me of some of those Patriots teams where it's like they don't, they shouldn't be very good, but they keep winning. Um, so, just some notes, I guess, from from my point of view on this game. This was like a fun game to watch. Outside of the referees inserting themselves on every fucking oh, play with a flag, yeah. this was actually a fun game to watch. Both quarterbacks made some really nice throws. Like. Um, Daniel Jones 19 of 30 202 and a touchdown. He was only sacked once. Trevor Lawrence wasn't sacked. Neither quarterback threw an interception. Mm. Neither quarterback had a fumble. Like they were pretty efficient. The the Jags like to do a lot of stuff, you know, short, quick, sort of sharp passing game. Lawrence goes 22 of 43 for 310. There was some nice coverage uh in this game too. Like there was just some really good efficient football being played. The run games for both teams. Travis Etienne, 114 yards on 14 carries with a touchdown. Saquon Barkley, 110 yards on 24 carries. So both teams really happy. Like the Giants had 236 rushing yards on 39 carries, and that was a big part of Daniel Jones' game. 11 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I, I think that was mm. that was really good. Like if if Lamar Jackson has that game. We're really excited about it. You know, Lamar Jackson throws for yeah. 202 and has 100 yards rushing with a touchdown in both passing and rushing. You know, we're we're keen keen for that. Um so yeah, good game, good efficient football at, you know at times on offense. It was just a fun football game to play. I think the Giants are going to get found out of eventually, but only found out in terms of- would think so. They might still sneak into the playoffs. You know, depending on what they Mm. can get done, like the the NFC East is an interesting division. The Cowboys and the Eagles, clearly the favorites. They're clearly the class of the division, but the Giants, you know, deserve a lot of credit for being six and one. I I just think they're, I, I think they're at their ceiling right now with the group that they have. I don't see the mm. Giants playing better than this. Whereas I think the Cowboys have more room to grow. The Eagles are an interesting question as to whether they can maintain. They're, they're already playing at a pretty high level. Um, yeah. Where else do we want to pivot here? Let's have a look at some more games. We've probably got another 15, 10, 15 minutes to talk here. Are there other places you want to go? Other? Um, I'll just mention that the Jets, Broncos, um, the Jets won in a... In what has become a, like a classically, you know, jetsy kind of way this season, to move to five and two, um, I believe there was only one touchdown scored the whole game. Um, hmm. No, sorry, there was two. The opening two scores were touchdowns, and then after that, it was field goals. Brees Hall had a sixty-two wow. yard <laughs> rush for a touchdown. Latavius Murray had a two yard rush that the Broncos failed to convert the extra point on. After that, it was field goals. The Broncos, with Brett Rippon, go scoreless in the second half. Brees Hall, um, after getting 72 yards and a touchdown on four carries, goes out injured for the Jets. I think that's for the season. That, to me, starts to put a serious cap on on what this Jets team can achieve. Um, because yeah, as much I, as I, I like James Robinson,
1: who they picked up from the Jaguars, to fill that hole, um, he, he's not Briscoe, and so they're, they're going to really suffer.
0: And I just think what you would need to to keep winning like they have been is for Zach Wilson to take a jump, a year two jump, because he was sixteen of twenty six for one twenty one, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, like he's got to make a jump if they're going to continue winning five of every seven games that they play, sort of thing. Because so mm. much was was on offense was running through Brees Hall. Uh and you know, they've still got Michael Carter, but Brees Hall was had clearly become the lead back over the first two months of the season. Like he was the
1: yeah.
0: he was the guy. Um and now he's gone. So so that sucks for the Jets. The the Broncos probably dodge a bullet here with Brett Rippen not coming out and looking good. Because if if that you yeah. know if they if he goes out and plays well and they win the game you've got a really awkward situation with Russell Wilson, um, so good good win for the Jets to get to five and two, um, feel free to comment on that game. But no, you I want to get your thoughts on Green Bay and Washington, Jacko. Mm-hmm. We we need to go there, um, before sorry before we do that let me just spit out my little Pittsburgh take because i watch Pittsburgh-Miami, and we'll end the the show with you talking about Green Bay and Washington. So, Pittsburgh-Miami, classic example um, of why you need to draft offensive line. I'm not sure if I've said this on the podcast yet, but it needs to be said on the podcast, and that is that the last two Steelers drafts reek to me of some... Le- you know, some, some big legacy swings by Kevin Colbert on the way out the door. Running back Najee Harris in the first round, I said at the time it felt like buying fancy new curtains for your living room, which is on fire. Um, and then Kenny Pickett in the first round was kind of like, hey, I know the fire spread to the garage, but why don't we buy like a, a you know a fancy car as well and stick that in the burning garage? Not, I'm not shitting on either of those players at all. I think Najee Harris is a really good running back. I think if you drafted him into a team like the Philadelphia Eagles or someone who you know, has maulers on the offensive line, he would be racking it up and people would be you know, toasting his name um, in the positive way instead of the negative way that it is now. I think Kenny Pickett drafted into a team that can protect, drafted into a team that can run the football, you'd be seeing more consistency out of Pickett, a team that could legitimately sit him for a year and not pretend to be going to sit him for a year and then be like, oh, actually, fuck, it looks like we're going to start him. Steelers, to me, bungled the last couple of drafts. They haven't fixed the offensive line. They kept talking about, oh, we're going to coach him up. We're going to coach him up. Didn't happen. Hasn't happened. They need an influx of talent on the offensive line until that happens. This team isn't going very far. They can definitely coach up the defense. The defense played really well. They, they gave up two touchdowns on the opening two drives to the Dolphins, and I was like, holy fuck, this is going to be like a 40-10 to 10 blowout. As it was, uh, the Dolphins only added uh, two more field goals, one more field goal for the game after the first quarter. They So the Steelers gave up 13 points quarter one. They gave up. Uh, so the, so it wasn't even touch. They didn't even score two touchdowns on their opening two drives. They scored a touchdown and then it was field goals from there. The Steelers held them scoreless in the second half, but the Steelers, as is so often been the case the last couple of seasons, were also scoreless in the second half. Um, There's talent there, Jack. George Pickens looks like an absolute beast. He looks like the dude. I think Deontay Johnson is a really underrated guy. I think Chris um, Chase Claypool is a great number three wide receiver. He's a different type to the other two. Big bodied, um, tough kind of, you know, jump ball specialist. But man, this team doesn't run the football. They do not run the football and they do not protect very well. Kenny Pickett was only sacked two times, but like... The, the, the problem for me with Pittsburgh's offensive line is, that, you know, that the other team doesn't even have to blitz to get pressure a lot of the time. Um, and, and this team just can't run the ball. So it's really disappointing. I hope they do the right thing and draft offensive line. I said that they should have drafted Ramondre Stevenson last year in a lower round instead of Najee Harris. I said they should have drafted Bailey Zappi this year in a lower round and gone offensive line at the top of each draft. They didn't. Um, very un Steelers like for me to go the sexy positions, uh, and that's kind of currently defining the performance of the team on offense. Um, so that's my my thoughts. They had chances to win it at the end. Kenny Pickett threw some bad interceptions. What, you know, one touchdown, three picks. Um, yeah, but but they're they're a mess on offense, and and I'll like I don't know if Matt Canada sees out the season or not. But Kenny Pickett currently two. Two touchdowns, seven picks in four games. Uh, I think they should go back to Mitch Trubisky because I think, um, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just a baptism of fire that's necessary for Kenny Pickett because it, it's been a ho- it's been a horror ride for him. There's been no easy games, you know, um, no easy games, and you kind of look. Oh well, he did beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, Mitch Trubisky beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was Miss Trubisky that came in and balled out to get him over the line. So anyway, that's my thought. I don't think the Dolphins are for real, to be honest. Um, I think there's limit, serious limitations um, at their quarterback position, which I know people don't like hearing. He's two is okay. He's okay. He's he's okay. He's an okay NFL starting quarterback. They do have a lot of speed. I think defences will find a way to limit what they can do uh, like the Steelers did after that first drive. Um, all right. If you don't have any thoughts on that game, give us all of your thoughts. Give us all of your takes, Jack, on mm. the Green Bay Packers losing to the Washington Commanders and Taylor Heineke. 23-21. to um. take it away. All right.
1: So this is the game for the Green Bear Packers. 17 yards ends in a punt. 42 yards ends in a touchdown. Four yards ends in a punt. Negative 15 yards ends in a punt. Negative two yards ends in a punt. 22 yards ends in a punt. 38 yards, turnover on downs. Then a the 75-yard drive, touchdown, and then end of game. That was the Greenberg Hackers. Uh, That's with, you know, reigning two-time MVP Aaron Rodgers and, you know, a running back in Aaron Jones, who I feel like when you think of him, at least seems like, you know, a top 10 running back, but he only ran eight times for 23 yards, no touchdowns. This is after... Aaron Rodgers was on record saying, we need to give Jones the ball more. We need to run the ball more. And you only give him the ball eight times. And AJ Mm -hmm. Dillon only ran it four times for 15 yards. Like if this was some kind of game where you were down early and you just had to throw the ball a ton, maybe that'd make sense, but this was close Mm -hmm. all the way. In fact, the Green Bay Packers were up, um, substantially at, at points in the game so I don't understand why they didn't give Aaron Jones the ball more I do know he, he didn't run the ball well you know only eight eight carries for 23 yards it's not great but it's only eight carries surely you just keep giving him the ball and at some point he will unleash because Rodgers didn't put up great numbers either like he put up perfectly normal Rodgers numbers 23 of 35, 194 uh, yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Like, just a perfectly serviceable game where he doesn't turn the ball over. That's his thing, right, is that he doesn't throw picks. But uh, he's not winning games now. And, like, believe it or not, Taylor Heineke looked like the better quarterback. (laughs) Like, they put up similar stats. In fact, Heineke threw threw an interception where Rodgers didn't. But... That commander's offense at least looked like it was moving the ball and and making plays. And uh, this Packers offense does not make sense. Like, I know they don't have Devontae Adams. I get it. He's, like, possibly the best receiver in the game, definitely top three, top five. But you've still got Aaron Rodgers, who should be one of the best quarterbacks going around. You've still got one of the best running backs going around, and you've got some young receivers who... I'm not bad. Like they they're, they're good receivers. I don't understand why this offense is not able to put up a substantial amount of points. Why they're not good in the second half, mainly, why they just cannot perform in the second half. And this defense is fine, but is not doing enough to win games. Uh so, so the Packers are in a real messy spot. They're three and four now. I don't understand. I really don't watching this game, I was like, why are they not just picking up first downs when you think they'd pick up first downs? Why are they not giving Aaron Jones the ball more than eight times? It does not make sense to me at all.
0: Uh, it's Yeah, it's interesting. There's a few points there I'd love to yeah speak about more. Um, just on Aaron Rodgers, his intended air yards per pass attempt, which is you know his average depth of target, whether it's complete or not, is seven yards this season, down from 7.7 in 2021, 7.9 in 2020, 8.8 in 2019, and 8.8 in 2018. Like, he's taking less deep shots. Um, He's completed air yards per completion. Yards of the ball traveled in the air past the line of scrimmage prior to completion, 4.2 yards. Uh, and that's 2.8 mm. yards per attempt. Of completed air yards per attempt, um, they and this is the thing. This is an interesting thing with Aaron Rodgers, and he's said it before in some interviews that I've listened to on podcasts, where it's like, no one takes better care of the football than me. You know, like I've I've re- you know he's really bullish about saying that. Like I've redefined how well quarterbacks can take care of the football, and it's true. That's true. Um, mm. the last time he had double digit interceptions was in twenty ten. He's only had it happen twice in his career, 2010 and 2008. He's just thrown 96 interceptions in 213 starts to 460 touchdowns. And that's all great. The problem is that, one, he is safer than ever to the point where that's the advantage of having a Taylor Heineke. Or a Ryan Fitzpatrick, say it's one of those type of quarterbacks. It's it's the advantage of having quarterbacks who aren't afraid to throw it deep. And why why is a quarterback afraid to throw it deep? Well, you could say, well, maybe he's you know he's worried about throwing a pick. Why is he worried about throwing a pick? It's Aaron Rodgers. He can throw the ball wherever he likes. So why would he be worried about throwing a pick? Because he doesn't trust who he's throwing to. He doesn't trust that the, the the player is going to be where they should be, when they should be there, and if they even if they are there when they should be there and where they should be, he's worried that they're not going to make the catch. There's no trust, mm. and they don't have an alpha anymore. They don't have a number one. This is like the Jags offense. They've got a really good number two you know, in Christian Kirk. But they don't have... Their their wide receiver one is actually a wide receiver two. And that's the the fact of the matter at the moment for the Packers. They do not have a wide receiver one. And it's impacting how they play. Now, they may have only handed the ball off to Jones eight times, but they threw it to him ten times. He caught nine of those for 53 yards and two touchdowns. But I'm going to guess that most of those were dump-offs and allowing him to go to work after that. So much of this offense for the Packers is, you know, horizontal. It's not vertical. Um, so so they're it's a problem. It's a real problem. And you know, it's almost like quarterback mortality. That the 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 older the quarterback gets, the closer to the end of their career that they get, the more aware they are. Of, of the pain of throwing an interception, of the pain of losing. You know, you see that with Brady, sometimes with him and Belichick. I can't remember who, which, if it was, um uh, uh, name escapes me now, former coach of the New York Giants, his famous New York Giants coach, Bill Parcells. I can't remember if it was Parcells who said it, but there was definitely a coach who at one point said, it gets to a point in your career where the, the, the pain... Where you, the pain of losing outweighs the joy of winning. That the wins mm. are no longer worth the pain of losing. And the, the pain of losing is so great that, that it just it, it dwarfs anything else that you feel. And I kind of feel like that's where Rodgers is in his career. The pain of losing, the pain of throwing picks, the pain of, you know, looking bad is... <sighs> currently the, the 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 idea of not having to feel that outweighs the risk needed to feel joy to throw the ball mm. deep and to trust the receiver and it, it's a big deal it's a big deal that, that there's not that trust being built and maybe they'll turn it around i'm not convinced i'm not convinced because they've struggled in past seasons but they had Devontae adams and and he was one yeah. that you could always they would work it out they need someone to step up now. They need Romeo Dobbs to come on, or you know, Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins. Someone needs to put their hand up and go, I- "I'm that guy." Um. But if that doesn't happen, this this team is is cooked because, yeah, there's no trust. There's no trust, and it could come apart at the seams really quickly. Um. For the, for the Green Bay Packers, I think in 2022. That's just my feelings, anyway. Um, which is a shame, but you must be enjoying it as a Vikings fan.
1: <laughs> I mean, it does make a little a little easier the remaining schedule when you know that the Packers are quite a few games down. Um, yeah, believe it or not, Chicago might be going for number two in the division. Without Chicago's going. There's no guarantee that Green Bay is just going to try and sneak in there second in in the division. Um, And just quickly on the trust thing, Mm. like Aaron Rodgers is doubling down on this whole like trust issue. He he went on the Pat McAfee show and was basically like, yeah, there's too many guys making mistakes and not making plays. Um, We should be cutting some reps and bringing in some guys who maybe aren't getting a shot. It's like, is that really how you build trust in your locker room? by basically saying to your receivers who we know that's who he's talking about. Like, you're not making enough plays, you should be dropped, and we should bring some other guys in. So really what you as the leader of that team should be doing, Um, which, again, if you're winning, say whatever you want, right? That's kind of the attitude in the NFL is as long as you win, your attitude or your techniques to get there, we kind of go like, well, you know, at least they're getting wins, but they're not. And it's really putting a microscope on the way that Rogers is treating his team and – Um, it's very, it's very concerning if you're a young player on that team, if that's how your quarterback is talking about you publicly, um, they're going to have to start winning more games. If we want to look back on this time respectfully on Rogers career, because if they go ahead and they finish with a losing record and then Rogers retires, that really does put uh, bit of an ugly spot in his career where you go, like, he was really good, but in the tail end of his career, he was really shitty to young receivers um, and wasn't a good guy to his team. But we'll see. Still half a season to go.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, it doesn't get easier. They go at Bills no. this week. Hmm. At the Bills this week. Um, they have at Lions. so. That I mean that should be an expectation win, but you're currently mm. on a three-game losing streak. And if you look back, their wins came against the New England Patriots in overtime, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers fourteen to twelve. Bucks aren't very good. The Bears twenty-seven to ten in week two, so Bears didn't have much figured out. Um, so now you're at Bills, at Lions, home, Cowboys home titans at eagles at bears bye week rams at dolphins vikings lions uh it's going to be really hard i mean let's just put it this way if they keep playing like this they ain't making playoffs um now having said that the nfl is a league of change and Teams work things out. But just on, you know, you're saying, you know, why do they play so poorly after half time? I've heard it said that teams that play badly, you know, look for the teams that make the adjustments after half time because it can sometimes be a good indication of which teams have a coaching edge. And I look at mm. the Steelers' defense. Mike Tomlin adjusted the defense. Do you know what didn't adjust after half time? The offense. Matt Canada is yeah. not a very good coach, um, but Mike Tomlin is a really good defensive coordinator as well as uh, as a head coach, and he worked some stuff out with the Dolphins, how to stop them. T- to a degree, to a degree which mm. they had multiple opportunities late to win the game. So that would be a question I would be asking: Why are the Packers not able to make the same adjustments that their opponents are perhaps making after the half? an interesting question to wonder about because I, I think that I mm-hmm. do think that that is something to look at with teams. Um, how, how do they go after half time, after they've had 15, 20 minutes to go, okay, this is what they're doing. We've got a whole first half of data. This is how we're going to respond and get better. If your team's not doing that, then you, yes. you've got questions. All right, let's end it there, Jacko. There's uh, Thursday night football coming up between the Ravens and the Buccaneers. Close game, bit of a coin flip. I don't think either of these teams are particularly good, personally. Um, I don't yeah. know. I, th- I think the Ravens
1: both- should win this to me. But yeah. who knows? Like I said, it's a bit of a bit of a coin flip. But I think the Ravens have a bit more. Believe it or not right now i feel like they have a quarterback edge the ravens i think i i can trust lamar with that offense more than i trust tom brady with that offense um tom brady is obviously the better quarterback but just in this spot i trust lamar more with his offense than i do with brady and his offense so i i'm sensing an ugly another ugly prime time game and the ravens win by like two or three points
0: yeah I think the best two units in this game are both defenses. Mm. That's what I would say. So if you're That's inclined true. to take something, maybe the under. Forty five and a half. Uh, but I will not be. All <laughs> right. <laughs> that is all. Thanks, Jacko, for jumping on. We'll be back with a full week eight preview. Um, probably Saturday ish. Um for Aussie fans, which will be like Friday night, maybe. For the US I can't remember alright until next time guys thanks so much for listening we've been great and you've been great it's the JVSE thanks for tuning in <laughs> stuffed up the outro all good <laughs>